Hello and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show. Radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And here we are uh, just the day before the winter solstice. And of course, uh, those of you that celebrate Christmas, that's coming up next week. So it's a busy time of year. It's a great time of the year. And I hope you're all having just absolutely a wonderful holiday. Last week, I did do a show for those of you that are suffering from what I call holiday anxiety because uh, I wish it wasn't a reality, but you know, it really is a reality that sometimes this time of year can bring us into a state of, um, let's just say stress or anxiety. There are holiday stressors. So make sure that you take time for yourself and do something just for you. At Over at Reiki Oasis, and I am the owner of Reiki Oasis. We've been around for 23, 24 years. I'm located right here in the greater Seattle area. And you can find out all about me at ReikiOasis.com. Every year at the end of the year, I do a wonderful um, ceremony for saying goodbye to the old year and the old energies and welcoming the new energies. So the end of the year prayer bundles, also called despachos, will be Wednesday evening, December 26th, or Thursday evening, December 27th at 7 p.m. You can sign up at schedule.reikioasis.com. And please only pick one of those nights. And I'm just letting you know that these sell out. I have a limited space. It is a very intimate space over at Reiki Oasis. And uh, it's just wonderful. I don't know how your year has been, but <laughs> a lot of people have had a little bit of a challenging year. So good times to clean it out, clean it up, throw it out, and open up the space for something wonderful and new to come in. I am a listener-supported show, and I want to thank you that help uh, keep this show on the air. And uh, so to my patrons, thank you so much. If you would like to contribute to the show, please go to patreon.com slash the Loretta Brown Show. And as always, uh, blessings, gratitude, and I, I really do believe that when we step out into the world and we give, we do receive back. It is the way that things are set up. And so I always wish good things to all of you. A quick little astrology report before I bring on my guest. This week, Venus will be leaving shadow. Yay, it is the end of Venus retrograde in Scorpio. It has been a very intense time for many of my clients. On Saturday, we will also have a full moon in Cancer. And of course, on Friday, we have the winter solstice. So early in the week, there is a connection between Mars and Pluto. And many of us will start this week with a connection with where we are truly wanting transformation and change. Shortly after that, once Venus leaves shadow, we are entering new territory when it comes to love, joy, passion, and a pleasure. This is a very dreamy month. And then starting in January, my goodness, we're going to be just catapulted ahead 
almost that all the planets will be moving into Capricorn. This is a year of getting it done. So go ahead and set those plans and take a look at where in your life have you been wanting something to go differently? Where have you been wanting to ask for something more important to you? I can't even begin to tell you how many of my clients are coming in saying things like, you know, I just am tired of spending my time doing things that just do not make my heart happy or are not resonating with me. And I'm just, I just, I don't know, something is just making me move into it. So if that's you, ask those important questions. What if you could do something that was really heart-related something that really made a difference, even if it's just to your life. Go ahead and begin to dream about that because the energies coming in are going to help you manifest and move forward. So also for those celebrating the winter solstice, which will be December 21st, this is the time when the sun in our northern hemisphere reaches its farthest southward point, and we will have the shortest day of the year here in the Seattle area and the longest night of the year. The darkest day makes way for the celebration of the return of light. The days become longer, and hope arises on the horizon. This is a great time, like I said, to really put into motion something new in your life. And then if that's not enough, Venus will join with Neptune right underneath that full moon in Cancer on Saturday. We're going to have a very romantic, creative, and inspired energy. Whether it's universal love, plugging into source to create something divinely inspired, or whether it's feeling very romantically swept off our feet, this is going to be available to absolutely all of us. And if you've been neglecting your body, your emotions, and your inner life, this full moon is the wake-up call you need. It can expose the areas of your life where you really need more love and attention. So have a great week in the astrological skies. And then we're going to go all the way to the southern hemisphere this morning, way down under with my guest, the award-winning filmmaker Bill Bennett. And I've had Bill on the show before, way back in the spring, maybe in the April, May time frame. Bill Bennett is a writer, a producer, a director of feature films and documentaries. In a career spanning more than 30 years, he's made 16 feature films and and four dramatized doctories and five feature-length documentaries. He's won numerous awards. He's won the Australian equivalent of the Oscar, as well as, uh, actually, he's got just such a long list of things. But we're going to be talking about his film and the book that goes with it, PGS, Intuition is your personal guidance system. It's so great to have you back to the show, Bill. Oh, Loretta, it's really good to talk to you again as well. Yeah, I had so much fun showing your movie. I think it was in May of this year to an audience here in the Seattle area. And Mm -hmm. I just want to kind of just lay a little bit of groundwork for those people that are not familiar with with you. 
And tell us a little bit about that film and um, how it came about, because this is really the the core of our discussion. Well, how it came about was that um, many years ago now, I was in New Orleans. I was working on a movie. I was directing a thriller there. And I had to go to the airport early one morning. I was approaching an intersection I was driving. Uh, It was dark before dawn. There were no cars on the road. I had a green light up ahead. I went to speed up to get through on the green, and as I did, I heard a voice which said, slow down, which was strange because, number one, I'd never heard a voice before like this, and number two, there didn't seem to be any reason why I should slow down. I wasn't speeding or anything. But I went to accelerate to get through on the green, and the voice said again, slow down, a second time, more emphatically. And as I entered the intersection, a huge truck, emerged on my right-hand side, ran a red light, hurtled through the intersection, narrowly missed me, and had that voice not kicked in, and more importantly, had I not listened to it and acted on it, uh, that truck would have hit me. I would have been killed. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And that really was the trigger for the film. I pulled over by the side of the road afterwards. I was really shaken up. I was sort of adrenaline pumping and so (laughs) forth. And, you know, and I thought, what the bloody hell just happened? And three questions sort of emerged from that. What was that voice? Where did it come from? And why was my life saved? And those were the three questions which really later compelled me to make a film, to find find the answers to those questions. Um, you know, that is such a remarkable story. And I, I just have to clarify this. So you literally heard a voice. It, it wasn't just a voice in your head? No, I heard a voice. And, you know, I've got to say, Loretta, you know, I've been screening the film now for quite some time in throughout the U.S. and also in my home country of Australia. And probably there hasn't been one screening that I haven't attended where somebody has contacted me either out of the audience itself or later on email or social media, whatever, and told me that the same thing happened to them. And I've sort of got this litany now of stories and and interestingly they're, they're more often than not they're connected with vehicles mm. and people come forward and they say look the same thing happened to me to me and it's almost like the film has given them permission to talk talk about something that they haven't been able to talk about to anyone else mm-hmm. because I found that a lot of people number one I found that what happened to me wasn't unusual it wasn't extraordinary I mean it, it seemed at the time extraordinary to me but now I've since discovered that, in fact, it happens more often than we realize. It's just that most people don't talk about it. And certainly, you know, most people don't have the capability to make a film about it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm, you know, I think that this, this is happening way more frequently than we realize. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. I am, um, you know, I had an experience years ago. It's not. It's not a voice. It was an actual, um, I was driving a car and my brother was in the car with me and I was, I was on a two-lane road in the country and I was trying to pass a truck. And you know how in the country there'll be dips in the road and then all of a sudden you realize, uh-huh. oh my God, there's a car there. And uh-huh. I'm right next to this truck and all of a sudden uh-huh. this car is right in front of us coming uh-huh. straight at us. And I think uh-huh. I might have been about 18. All I remember doing is just closing my eyes and gripping the wheel like, oh, we're going to die. 
and yeah. I opened my eyes and and my brother and I looked at each other because somehow we were in front of the truck on our side of the road and mm. to this day have no idea what happened because he said he did the same thing. We both just closed our eyes. And, um, you know, it's, yeah. it's interesting. I've, I've heard stories of people who say that, that someone has taken control of the wheel of the car mm. and maneuvered them out of danger, which, which sounds like it's probably the case you know, in your situation as well, you know, that there's actually a physical intervention that prevents them from dying. Yeah. And, you know, if you hear these stories, and these people don't have any reason to lie or to exaggerate or anything like that. You know, oftentimes the people who come forward and tell me their stories do so reluctantly. It's almost like they're, they're sort of too shy or too afraid to really reveal this intimate moment in their life. Uh, well, yeah, because um, number one, how do you explain it? You know, it, it, it enters into some sort of an odd realm where you're like, people are going to think I'm a wackadoodle. And then the other part is like, I look back at this incident, like what I just told you, and then listening to your incident, it happens so fast. Like we're here and then boom, there's that. Or like you're driving your car and then, oh, there's this voice and then. You know, you're you're pulling off to the side of the road and shaking is, mm. you know, it's an experience that you can't deny. But what is it? You know, yeah, it's that kind of well, a thing. That, yeah, what is it? I mean, that is really what compelled me to make the film. Um, curiosity. What is that voice? And it, it begs the question: Then why, why me? You know, why Why would this voice save me when on any given day there are hundreds of car accidents around, around the country? Mm, mm-hmm. You know, so what makes me special that I should be saved? That really kind of flummoxed me because, you know, as I say in the film, there's nothing special about me. It's not like I've been a good boy or anything, you know. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. Yeah. No, that, I uh, think... But, uh, go ahead. I, I think that's a powerful question because actually I thought I've kind of thought the same thing many times too. Like, why did that happen to that person? But that, but it didn't happen to me, and I had this other experience. Do you have any comment on that? You know, because it isn't yeah, like we well, truly are stellar, exceptional. <laughs> you know, we're well, we're you human. Are, you, are, you know. <laughs> you, you, you probably you probably got more. <laughs> More brownie points on the board than me. I, I don't know. I, I have a joke about that. Like, I must have really been bad in past lives that I have to help so many people in this one, right? It's <laughs> kind of my joke. Well, you know, Mom, I, I, as you know, I traveled all around the world. In fact, I traveled all around the world several times to ask questions of various people, um, scientists, that is, saints, um, mystics, psychics, you know, scientists, all sorts of people. And I found myself up at the Dalai Lama Temple uh, up in Dharamshala, which is um, a sort of a Tibetan enclave within the northern part of India, right at the foothills of the Himalayas. And I found a scholar there who was in charge of the Tibetan archives. And I sat down and I asked him the question. And he called it a karmic imprint. Um, what he said was that I must have been... I must have been a good boy in previous lives, and I've accumulated some good karma. 
And that karmic imprint kicked in at a point at which basically I'm cashing in my chips. Ah. <laughs> you know, okay. Um, it's my it's my karmic get out of free jail card. <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Yeah. I'm just thinking. Oh, thank goodness, right? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> it certainly hasn't been in this lifetime. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, but, but I, I spoke to other people as well, and there's another factor in all of this too, and that is that I, I recognized it and I acted on it. And a lot of people... They do have intuitive impulses, but they don't. They don't see it as that, or they don't. They don't act on it. I mean, there could have been a side of me that just said, "Oh, that's a voice. That's weird. I haven't had enough coffee yet." You know, <laughs> 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 I've got to get through this green light. Bang! You know, bam! I'm, I'm strawberry jam. Right. Um, you know, so this this notion that you actually trust your intuition. And you follow through on it, I think, is a really important one. Because now when I look back on my life prior to that, I had, even though I hadn't realized it, I had been acting kind of intuitively at key points in my life. And I'd, I'd, again, without my even knowing it, I had sort of, I, I got to this point where if, if I had an intuitive impulse, then I took it seriously. Mm. And that's what happened that morning in the car. I did take it seriously. It brings up such a great uh, discussion. Uh, what What is your definition of intuition? Can you explain to me a little bit about that? Oh, Loretta, yeah, that's a we big. Don't have enough, we don't have enough time <laughs> in the show to <laughs> talk well, about I, this. Well, because I'm so fascinated uh, by it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, look, I mean, this movie took me a long, long time to make. It took me. Um, I mean, that, well, to give you an example, that that near near accident was in 1999 and it's taken me all this time to make the movie. One of the reasons it's taken so long is because I didn't know what what the hell intuition was. Mm -hmm. It seemed to be so confusing to me and there seemed to be so many different ways that the the word was used and and very few of them actually applied to what happened to me in the car. I came up with my own definition of what happened to me in the car, my own definition of intuition. That is, it is a sudden, unexplained insight that comes unaided by logic, intellect, or expertise. You know, so I thought through that. In, I thought through that definition very, very carefully, and I chose every word very, very carefully to describe what happened to me in that car. But that description doesn't apply to other forms of intuition that people use. Mm-hmm. To give you an example, um, like a, a businessman might say he made a gut decision about about a business, uh, you know, something to do with his business. Now, that doesn't apply to that de- definition because he used his intellect or expertise to do that. But that's still regarded as intuition. And that made me think, you know, that maybe, in fact, there are different types of intuition. And this is one of the things that I didn't explore in the film, but I did did explore in the book, which um, 
And that is this, the notion that I believe there are three broad categories of intuition and they can be broken down into subcategories. The three broad categories of intuition are survival intuition, which is survival of the species, and it is, a, it is an intuition uh, that comes from the body. Then mm. there's cognitive intuition, which is uh, intuition based on expert knowledge, and that's intuition that comes from the mind. And then there's mystical intuition, which is intuition that um, cannot be explained. It's what happened to me in the car. Uh, and that's intuition that comes from the soul. Um, they're all legitimate and energetic forms of intuition. And I believe that because it's all energy, there is a cross-pollination between all three of them. You can have an intuitive response and it can be a blend of state survival intuition and mystical intuition. But when I started to think about intuition in those terms of, of, of there being different categories of it, it then started to make a whole bunch of sense to me. And then I started to think, and I was just, uh, you know, because this really intrigues me. Uh -huh. um, and I mean, I think one of my purposes in this incarnation is for me to try and figure all this out and put it in a form that I can understand. And because I'm a communicator, maybe other people can understand it as well. But then I started to think about this notion of what I call online intuition and offline intuition. Mm. Now, online intuition is when you're connected to source, and that's when you have uh, connected to the possibility of mystical intuition. Offline intuition is when, I mean, we're always, all, always connected with source, but just like, imagine your computer, right? I'm sitting at my computer at the moment, mm -hmm. and I've got the Wi-Fi on, so I'm connected to source. I'm connected to the potential of unlimited information through the internet. Um, but I have, you know, through, through, through that thing, but I have, um, but I'm not actually using the internet at the moment. It's, it's, um, turned off because of this interview. Mm -hmm. And so, and yet I've got this hard drive in front of me and I'm offline, but I've got then connection to all of the information that's actually on my computer. So... When you think about that in terms of intuition, it's a really interesting thought. We can be connected to source and we can have, through that connection, we can be online and we can have access to the limitless um, source of wisdom and love and compassion and all of those things that come with a connection to source. But there can be times when we're offline and we're not connecting with, to source, but we can still have that innate wisdom that we have accumulated through this lifetime and through other lifetimes as well. And so I'm kind of playing with those concepts at the moment. I still quite, haven't quite figured it out. And I'm, I'm sure there are no, uh, anomalies, mm -hmm. um, you know, that it's not quite as simple as that. But it's an intriguing prospect, you know, that, that there is an offline and an online form of intuition one is one is when you're connected to source the other is when you're not connected to source I what do you think about that I I like what you're saying I'm I'm thinking when you're talking about um, you know because a lot of people think intuition has to be the mystical intuition mm -hmm. right yeah. 
And people will say, well, I've never really experienced anything like that, but I've always kind of had this idea about uh, like scientists or something. And, you know, they have all of this broad knowledge base and then they go in and then they'll have some amazing aha, you know, that comes through them. And I'm like, there's a, you know, I've always thought to myself, there's a combination of something in there because I don't have the scientific knowledge to be able to um, bring that forth into the world, right? So it, yeah, so I I sometimes think maybe it's tied in with, I don't know if it's our gift set or, or, or our desire in our heart, you know, what brought us to planet Earth in this life, you know, our what we come to do. So I, I'm with you. I don't have this clearly defined. Um, but I, like you, do hear a lot of things from people because when they come to see me, they will, they realize that it's a safe place to tell me their weird stuff. And I'm like, yeah, tell me more of that. Mm. Right. Mm. So, yeah, it, that's well, interesting. The instance you talk about as a scientist and an aha moment is what I call cognitive, cognitive intuition. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is um, that's based on expert knowledge. And sometimes it's so deeply subsumed, it's so deeply buried, that the scientist doesn't even realize he or she has that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they say, and, so, and then they're able to access the uh, solution to a problem almost instantaneously. And they regard it as being something mystical or something divine. But, in fact, it's based on their vast, vast knowledge of the subject. Now, the accessing of it, the pulling it out of archives instantaneously is something that, you know, is mysterious. But the fact is that they couldn't, as you say, they couldn't come up with that solution had they not that vast storehouse of knowledge. Same thing with sportsmen. You know, you you hear a sportsman say, oh, I did that intuitively. You know, in games like tennis or Edmund Senna was a big one for intuition, driving intuitively. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he and sportsmen talk about being in the zone and not sort of consciously um, being aware of what they're doing. But, um, you know, but nonetheless, they're champions. Mm-hmm. Now, it's based on this huge, huge um, amount of time uh, practicing and training and getting to a point where they can act as they call it intuitively, you know, but somebody who walks in off the bleachers wouldn't be able to do what they can do. Mm-hmm. But then you get someone, okay, so let, let's think about this. So, so then you get a child prodigy like um, Mozart and you, and you go, well, how does that work? And this comes back, I think, to what you talked about your, how you, how you incarnate and your purpose on this earth and what you bring in to this, to this incarnation from previous lifetimes. Now, I have absolutely no doubt that, um, you know, the prodigies like Mozart and others came in with this capacity to do what they do. Mm-hmm. And it is a product of previous lifetimes. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel that way too. Like, when a um like when a soul is coming in um 
I, I think that they they have access to their archives from all of the things that they have learned, you know, across time, mm. space, and distance, you know, however you want to define that as past lives. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of fascinated with this idea um, around the intuition. So we're going to take just a little station break. This is Loretta Brown, and it's the original Loretta Brown Show. Um, all the shows are archived. You can go and download them for free from the KKNW archives or the LorettaBrownShow.com. And my guest today is Bill Bennett, award-winning um, movie director, producer, and I, I guess you're the whole guy, aren't you? Because I think you did some filming and recording. <laughs> and he's also an author. And uh, we're going to take just a little station break. We will be right back. Did you know that Reiki healing can be done at a distance? It's true. So let Reiki Oasis focus powerful energy to help relieve your stress, grief, sadness, anger, and so much more. Convenient, personalized treatments at a distance can increase lightness of being. During your appointment, find a quiet place to lie down or sit to receive healing energies. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Don't let that herd mentality lead you off a cliff. We support thinking for yourself on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show. My guest today is Bill Bennett, amazing a film a producer, director, and writer, and an author. And we are talking about his movie, PGS, Intuition is Your Personal Guidance System, and also the book. Right, Bill? Yeah, it's available on Amazon. What happened, Loretta, is that in making the film, see, in the movie, there's 26 people interviewed. But in fact, I, in the course of making the film, I interviewed 76. So there are 50 people who didn't make the cut um, and who won't be sending me Christmas cards this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, we um, got to bring that up. We got to got to help you with that a little bit, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I basically learned a whole lot more than I could actually put into the movie. Um, and of course, this stuff doesn't doesn't stop. You know, after after doing the filming and doing the process of editing, and then and subsequently too, then with the screening of the film around places, I've been I've been accumulating more and more knowledge, and I really felt that it was important not only to document the film in the book, but also to bring forward stuff that I've since learnt mm. about intuition, mm -hmm. um, which is in the book. Yeah. I kind of get the idea that, um, you know, because i got quite a few questions still here, but making this film, you know, because you, is, if I understand it, um, you were not a super spiritual person before this event where you heard the voice. Um, That's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, you were living life to the fullest, Bill. Anyway, you still are. And uh, just with a little bit of a, of insight into this intuition thing and probably developing your own intuition, if I could say so, becoming more aware of it. I think so, yeah. Look, um, we are all intuitive. We are born with intuition. And coming back to what we were, were talking about right at the start of this uh, show, Loretta, 
I've, I've come to believe that the number one purpose of intuition is to keep us alive and keep us well. Mm. Because if we are not alive and if we're not healthy, then how can we fulfill the purpose for which we are born? So I do believe that the number one purpose of intuition is to take care of us. Um, now, you know, there's some people, as, as we said before, that just aren't connected to their intuition, and so it doesn't work as effectively as, as other people. But um, I think what's happened is this. Yes, I have become more intuitive in, in the sense that I have come to realize how intuition works and how it presents. And I guess prior to making this film, I had a sense of intuition. In other words, like everybody, I've had gut feelings, I've had little voices say, oh, Bill, you really should do this when common sense would say that you should do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really kind of categorized it as intuition. I never thought of it uh, as intuition. I never really gave much thought to it at all. Um, but now I do give thought to it. And now I recognize intuition when it does present. And basically, it's coming at you at 100 miles an hour um, all the time. And if you become attuned to it, it begins to inform pretty much everything you do in any given day. Mm. You know, right down to even little tiny things, you know, know, what I should have for breakfast, um, you know, what clothes I should put on for the day, um, should I go to the post office now or should I wait until tomorrow, you know, things like that. I mean, I've had instances where my intuition has said, Bill, and I think I document this in the book, Bill, you've got to go to the supermarket and pick up a bottle of milk. And they go, well, I don't really need a bottle of milk. You know, I've got enough milk to last me until tomorrow at least. No, Bill, you've got to go to the you've got to go to the supermarket now to get a bottle of milk. And so I go, okay, I'll go to the supermarket and get a bottle of milk, even though I'm doing other stuff and it's a bit of a pain in the bum to do that and I don't really need milk. But I listen to my intuition. I go I go to the supermarket. As I'm walking out of the supermarket. I meet somebody who I hadn't seen for a long, long time, and then he invites me to uh, a dinner party, and at the dinner party, I meet somebody who then becomes a very important part of my life Mm. from that point on. Mm -hmm. And you trace it all the way back. You know, if you go, you could say, well, that's a coincidence, and that's a coincidence, and that's a coincidence. But if it hadn't been for that intuitive impulse, you've got to go and get a a bottle of milk, you know, package of whatever it is, a carton of milk. It's early here. For yeah, yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> um, yeah, a packet of milk. It's a packet of milk. That's crazy. Yeah, well, um, it works. But, that's, but, that's I, I, I can't even say that's an Australianism. It's not. <laughs> um, but um, do you know what I mean? Yes, so, I do. On one level, you could, a skeptic would say, oh, that's just a coincidence, you know, and there's mm-hmm. no connection between those, those, those events. But you can equally trace it back and go, no, there is a direct connection. And I would not have met that person. That person would not have come into my life had I not gone to that supermarket and got that bottle of milk because my intuition told me to do it. Right. So these things I now start to see around me and see how it works. And I value it. I give significance to it. I respect it and I honor it. And I don't question it anymore, even though, you know, at times you think, oh, really? You're kidding me? You really think <laughs> I should do that? 
okay, <laughs> you know what's best. <laughs> well, I I have a saying, and I I I sometimes look at at like we say these synchronicities, the serendipity, yeah. and I say, you know what, you can't make this stuff up. Come on, even <laughs> if I worked all day, I'd never plan it this good, right? So yeah. I, I, I'm with you. You kind of have to uh, just sort of accept it. I, I got a question. What, what is the difference between, and you probably get asked this a lot, what's the difference between the intuition, the voice of intuition, or the, I don't know if it's a knowing or a feeling. You know, I think people maybe experience it differently. And, and, and just your inner voice, you know, because um, I'm with you. I sometimes have this argument going, no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't want to go do that. Why would you just go away? Right. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. So can you help well, people navigate that? Yeah. Um, an inner knowing and, and a voice and intuition are the same thing. So it's just a different way that intuition presents. I mean, one of, one of the things that I've learned is that intuition is both persistent and creative. It's persistent in that it won't let up on you, um, and it's creative in the different ways that it will present to you to get your attention. So if it, if it doesn't, if you're not getting, if you don't follow your gut instinct, then it's going to present to you in another way. You know, you're, you're going to hear um, something on the radio that triggers you into doing something or going somewhere. Um, and if that doesn't work, then literally you could bump into somebody in the street and they say, oh, by the way, did you hear such and such and such and such? You know, so, so these are different forms of intuition and what I call guidance, personal guidance, because what I've come to believe is that intuition helps navigate you through life. Um, and, it will use, and it will use various, um, pathways and highways and super highways and okay. little dirt tracks and you know mill tracks and all sorts of things to get you there. But it's going to try really, really hard. At some point, if you just shut down, it's just going to go. All right, okay, that's you know if that's the way you want to play it. Well, you know, good luck and <laughs> we'll see you next, <laughs> next, next lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to answer your question. It is all intuition. Paul Selig, who's in my movie, has a, a channel that works out of New York. Extraordinary man. He's written a number of really, really fine books now. They're all channeled. Um, he talks about the small self mm-hmm. and the small self being the bully boy and wanting to take control and wanting to exert its influence. The small self being personality, the ego, and so forth. And there is a constant dialogue between the small self and the higher self. And oftentimes the small self wins because the small self can be very persuasive and in a sense the small self is safe because it takes us back to things we know intuition takes us into areas that we don't know it takes us into the unknown it takes us into um, an expansive field that is scary because it is limitless it is creative it encourages discovery and sometimes we don't want to discover you know, mm-hmm. we just want to sit back and <laughs> we don't want to venture from shore. Mm-hmm. You know, our little domain is, is nice and safe and cozy. And why risk something by sticking your neck out and following intuition and leaping off the edge? You know, so the small self is going to keep you. It's going to keep you within your specific domain. But in doing that, you're not expanding. In fact, if anything, you're contracting because oftentimes mm-hmm. that domain is based in fear. 
fear contracts. Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I, I remember I had a, a, a guest on my show a couple of years ago who said made a comment: "You're either uh, you're either growing or you're dying," and um, mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a thing to ponder, you know. But yeah, exactly. So intuition. I liked what you said. It's persistent and creative. It's persistent mm. and creative. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I got a question for you for uh, just clarification for all my feely empathy people out there who um, sometimes get, I'm going to say intuition confused with feelings. And I think it touches kind of on what you're saying here. Maybe people that overthink do this too, where um, uh you know, the different, like, I'm trying to navigate this. I want you to, you know, qualify it from your end. It uh, Sometimes people say to me, well, this just feels like the right thing to do. And then they follow that and they get into all kinds of trouble. And I think that's the ego small self talking. And mm-hmm. intuition to me is more, um, for me, it comes through as just kind of a knowing without any struggle with it. It's kind of immovable or something. Um, well, yeah. here's what I think. Okay. Um, I'm, a feeling is absolutely a legitimate way that intuition can present. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I say, it is persistent and creative. And, and if it doesn't come through something more, more obvious, sometimes it will come through something very, very subtle. And even a fleeting thought, which you wouldn't think is a form of intuition, is actually a form of intuition because how else does the divine, the source, actually communicate with you if not through these ways of, of feeling, a sense of knowing? Um, okay, so, so here's what I've come to believe. Source connects, through you, connects to you through energy and it hits your outer energetic field and... If it can get through your outer energetic field, it comes then into your chakra system and it moves through your chakra system as energy. And your chakra system connects with your physiological system, as you know. So Mm -hmm. the reason it's called the heart chakra is because it connects through to your actual heart. The reason it's called your gut chakra is because it connects through to to your gut. And this is how we get a sense of knowing through the heart or a sense of knowing through the crown chakra Mm. or the third eye Mm -hmm. or through the gut. It transfers from the outer energetic field into the energetic energetic field and then into your physiology, through your bones, through your your organs, through your um, hormonal systems and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, And... um, did I answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, you did. Yeah, you you did. Because I was um, trying to clarify for my listeners, because I I get a lot of questions about intuition too. Like, how what is intuition, and and w- w- what voice is talking to me? Right, you know that kind of a thing. And um, so, yeah, intuition is coming down through our system into us and i like that answer it's energetic it's it's a it's a connection to all that is and and you know sometimes we have um you know people who are you know gifted psychics or channelers or mediums and it's 
you know, I always tell people, look, you don't have to have those types of gifts to be intuitive. And I think you're no, clarifying you really that don't. very well. You really don't. Uh, it is a facility that is as legitimate as any other system in your body. You know, I call it a personal guidance system for a reason. And that is, it is a system. It's just that it works energetically. So it, um, you've got your circulatory system, your central nervous system, your digestive system, your immune system, and you've got your intuitive system. Mm, I like that. The intuitive system just works energetically, uh, whereas the other systems work um, physiologically, you know, flesh and blood and bone and so forth. Loretta, getting back, sorry, to your previous question, um, you talked about somebody saying that they follow the feeling or follow the you know, voice or something that led them to a bat, to, you know, things didn't work out. Right. You know, we, ha- we have this belief that everything is a straight line graph, you know, that, that, um, that intuition should take us seamlessly from point A to point B. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes, sometimes we do have to um, step into a bad place for us to come back out into a better place. You know, so it's not from point A to point B and it's a straight line graph. It, it, it can go up and down and up and down. Um, and Carolyn Mace, who features in my film, says something really interesting which I've given a lot of thought to. She says, she questions, how do you know that something is a bad thing? How do you know that? Mm-hmm. And, I'm, you know, it's a very simple statement to make, but it has profound meaning. When I look back on my life, I think about those times when I didn't follow my intuition or I followed my, you know, the, my, my small self-advice, um, and I did go into a bad place, invariably out of that bad place something good happened. You know, so it's not... I think it's, it's almost arrogant for people to think, well, if I follow intuition, it's always going to be a good outcome. Not necessarily always going to be a good outcome. It will be in the end, or it will be something. It will lead to something. It might lead to a major lesson that you need to learn as part of your karmic growth during this incarnation um, for you to emerge at the end of it a far more um, rounded, wise person. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so don't always think that intuition is going to necessarily um, you know, take you to rainbows and unicorns. It's not. I'm so glad you clarified that. Thank you, because um, that's the absolute truth. And um, I I sometimes say to people, look, this is not actually a wish-fulfilling universe. I mean, it is, but it's not a genie in a bottle, and you get all your good wishes. Um, I remember a few years back, my intuition um, literally had me get up in the morning and go someplace where I met somebody, and um, I sort of went into um, a relationship kicking and screaming, going, this is not going to be good. And when I came out the other end, I was way different and did a lot of healing and self-work on that. So um, I'm really glad you said what you said, because just because we end up in a challenging place or a place of growth or a place where we have to really look at ourselves, like you say, we're not necessarily in a bad place. And Thanks, Carolyn, for saying what she said about that. I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, you you mentioned 13 steps someone needs mm-hmm. to go to pre- to prepare themselves 
for intuition. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So number one, we're all intuitive. Number two, we're born with it. It is a facility that that we can access. Um, And it's always trying to connect with us. We don't necessarily um, want it to connect with us. (laughs) You know, we shove it away. We ignore it. We don't, you know, a lot of us don't even acknowledge that it exists. And what I've done in my book is I've said, okay, well, there, there are certain... There are certain things that you need to kind of consider if you really want to step up and become more intuitive. And already you'll, you'll notice that in the book I always say more intuitive, not mm-hmm. intuitive because we are intuitive, but I say more intuitive. But these 13 steps include, you know, number one, acknowledge that intuition exists. That's really important. Be willing to work with it. Humble up. That's a term from Carolyn Mace. You can't, you can't be intuitive if you're arrogant and um, you've got massive ego and so forth. Um, Recognize what intuition is. Pay attention to the little things around you because invariably they are intuitive hits trying to connect with you. Um, And and then I've got various other things like, uh, and this is one of the more controversial things in the book, I say forget scientific proof. One of the big breakthroughs for me in sort of in um, getting to the point where I am now, where I, I fully live an intuitive life, mm-hmm. is that one morning I woke up and I thought, you know what, I don't need science to tell me that intuition exists. And a lot of people hold back on on acknowledging intuition or using intuition because they say, well, science can't prove it. And what I think is they're actually terrified and they're hiding behind this excuse of needing science to validate intuition before they do it. Um, so for me, I, I just went, I started to realize that in fact science has been late in the game for a whole mm-hmm. lot of things. Mm-hmm. As part of my research, I realized that uh, it was only, I think, six generations ago that science proved that germs cause disease. And I thought, bloody hell. It's like 150 years ago, 150 years ago, science told us that germs cause disease. But germs have always caused disease. They've caused disease, you know, know, for tens of thousands of years or however. Um, But it was only 150 years ago that science said germs cause disease. Mm -hmm. So then I asked myself, what else doesn't science know? Mm. And... Mm -hmm. You know, when I started to ask myself that question, I started to realize, well, okay, so maybe these mystics that talked about all of these various things 2,000 years ago in India and elsewhere, maybe there's some validity to what they're saying because oftentimes the mystics said things that science has validated only just recently. Um, you know, these, these are some of the, some of the things that... Um, you know, that, that you can, that I, I believe are really important for you to consider mm-hmm. for you to begin to take on an intuitive life. Um, but one of the most important, I think, and it comes through very, very clearly in the film, is you've got to clean up your act. Mm. You can't be, you can't hope to be uh, open to intuition if you're full of anger and fear and resentment 
and you know all, all of these very very kind of negative things that oftentimes all stem back to this one main thing, which is fear. Mm-hmm. And a fear caused so many problems in our lives. So you've got to get your act together and be at peace with yourself. And as Carolyn May says, probably the most important thing is trust. You've got to trust yourself because if you don't trust yourself, you cannot trust your intuition. So you've got to get to a point where you have sufficient self-esteem, where you back yourself where you trust yourself. And then if you trust yourself, you're then going to trust your intuition. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a very important uh, part of it. Yeah, the trust. And the trust of the self. And like you say, um, I think there's a great healing that goes on here um, when you, and I like how you said that, you're living an intuitive life. And, and that intuition can help you in absolutely every area of your life from what to eat, what to wear, where to go, that kind of a thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really lovely. It's exciting. I mean, it, it is it, exciting. It, it's, every day is exciting because you never know really where it's going to take you. Mm-hmm. Um, every day is a discovery. And if you get to a point where you're prepared to let go, let go of control, that's, yeah. that's a big thing. And I found that very difficult for myself. Yeah. Let go of, <laughs> let go of control. Mm-hmm. Because... While ever you're sort of tightly holding under control, really what you are is you're in thrall of your small self because your small self wants you to keep control. It wants to keep you safe. Mm. Um, and by safe, I mean keep you contained, keep you into what is known. What, um, because that's safe, what's known. Right. Intuition wants to take you into the limitless, expansive field of what's not known because that's where true creativity lies. You know, we're in such a competitive world in business and, and um, you know, in day-to-day living. It's, it's very, very competitive. And where people shine is when they come up with something fresh, original, and new. And that's where intuition wants to take you. Mm. It wants to take you into those areas of discovery um, but our ego, our personality, our small self wants to keep us contained. And that's why there's so much sameness in, our, in the world. Mm-hmm. True innovation lies with intuition. And Steve Jobs knew that. I mean, Steve Jobs was a huge advocate of, of intuition. Yeah, yeah, he was. Well, where can people uh, watch your film and get your book and find out more about you, Bill? Oh, Loretta, aren't you a sweet thing? <laughs> Thank you. I can give myself a plug now. That's yeah, cool. it's all about you, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's all about me. That's right. Talk about the small self. Um, well, my name is Bill Bennett, B-I-L-L-B-E-N-N-E-T-T. And if you just Google me, uh, I'm .com.au for Australia. And that's my website. The film is on its own website, PGS movie.com pgs standing for personal guidance system and the book is available on amazon that's pretty easy um amazon and pgs movie.com and i'm on facebook and instagram as well yeah so anyway this is uh the original loretta brown show and i am <laughs> the original Loretta Brown. It's just my joke. Anyway, <laughs> my guest today has been Bill Bennett. We've talked about his movie and his book, 
PGS, which stands for Personal Guidance System. Intuition is your personal guidance system. Please check it out. Get his book. Watch his movie. And um, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much. Bye now.